Hello, friend. Welcome, Carm Capriato here. Remarkable Results Radio's episode 504. Now, even if you weren't with me in Chicago in September 2019, you're going to get a ringside seat as I moderated a panel at ASA Illinois annual meeting. And we've compiled five excellent episodes from an all-day event with brilliant observations and insights that you're going to use to build a better business. But before I even go online to book that appointment with you, I'm going to look at your reviews. Absolutely. And I'm going to read them all. And I'm going to see if you've responded to them, if you've had bad reviews. I will look at all of that before I ever choose to make a decision to do business with somebody. And that's Gen Z is even more into that than millennials are. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, friend, Carm Capriato, the Automotive Aftermarket Podcast Guy. Now, Remarkable Results Radio is proud to talk to you about Apex. Now, hey, I was there at Apex 2019, and as we all know, it's in the record books. But I got to tell you that Apex lived up to presenting leading-edge technology from suppliers, but also they did a great job of showcasing the emerging technology of tomorrow. Now, you've got plenty of time to plan for 2020. Yes, November 3rd through the 5th. 2020, and that's where Repair Shop HQ will debut. Apex, now more than ever. Hey, welcome to Remarkable Results Radio, where we create podcasts like the Town Hall Academy, the Single Subject Weekly Roundtable, and For the Record, where you'll hear brilliant ideas or even a rant from one of your industry colleagues. Now, have you ever wanted to hear everything we've ever recorded on labor rates? Well, just go to the podcast website, remarkableresults.biz, and key in labor rates in the search bar. There are search bars all over the website. You'll find them. You'll find so much content on just labor rates that you'll learn just how these audio workshops and interviews can help you. Don't forget how important the Aftermarket's premier podcast is to your perpetual learning regime. I was honored to give my keynote and then moderate an all-day panel discussion with the ASA Illinois members in September 2019. I had a dream team panel with an outline of an agenda. I turned on the recorder and we got some outstanding ideas, insights, wisdom, and a whole lot of passion from a great group of panelists. There are five episodes that will span over the next five weeks. I know you're really going to like these. And we start with Donnie Seifer from Seifer's Automotive and NASDAF, Jeremy O'Neill, Freedom Automotive and Advisor Fix, Danny Sanchez is with us from Auto Shop Solutions, Sarah Frazier from Haas Performance Consulting, and attorney Noah Frank. Find the show notes at remarkableresults.biz slash E504. Now, you can use those show notes for your own meeting agenda. There's many different topics that will excite your thoughts and, I dare say, move you to action or at least move up your Get Smart meter. You know what I mean. You got a hell of a panel here, everyone, and uh, proud to be here and moderate this. Donnie, since we're talking about the future, how the heck are we going to embrace the changing technology and what should we really be paying attention to? Well, I think that we are spending too much time looking at the wrong stuff. That, that's what I would say. I, I made some notes because I liked the beginning of your presentation and I wanted to uh, steal some of that and build off of it. So... Um, some of the things that I'm going to say today, depending on your point of view, you're going to say, wow, is he negative? Actually, if you're really listening, you're hearing an opportunity. 
because I'm telling you what's not working anymore. And I get a, I've got a really uh, weird position in what I can see because I deal with every single day dozens of technicians who can't find a solution to a problem on a car they're working on. I also manage a vehicle security professional registry for NASTAF, which is if you want to have access to immobilizer, key codes, some of the things that are coming down the road with that are going to be pretty amazing. If you need access to that, you have to be a credentialed, proven, trustworthy individual because the United States doesn't have a license. We don't have a license to prove that people can actually do their job. So to work with the automakers on that, they wanna know who's got access. So a lot of the things I'm gonna say, I'm gonna to go to back to Carm's uh, glass half empty, glass half full thing. I think there's two glasses out there right now, just to sort of use that analogy. There's one glass that you're paying too much attention to and there's water is running out of it. There's business that you're building your business on and running your business on that's going away. How many brake jobs are you doing? 158,000 a day? Well, I would bet you money that number was 200,000 a couple of years ago and three or 400,000 10 years ago. And since that's changing, why do you even care about it? Why do you care if there's somebody down the street competing with you on a $99 brake job? It isn't anything to focus on anymore. So there's whole other technologies and there's this other glass that's this big glass that's starting to fill up and no one's paying any attention to it. There's a, you know, there's a few players who are out there. I think one person raised their hand. They're going to get involved with ADOS and, 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 and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I think that's a good idea. But at the same time, that technology is so transitionary right now that unless you're already really rock solid and you're making good profit, you probably can't afford to just throw a bunch of money at it and hope it makes you money, because it may not. If you've got a great network of collision shops around that you could feed, get feed from, maybe that's a different story. But, but I think, generally speaking, we're paying too much attention to some of the wrong things. And I think some of that will come out with this panel of talent. I think you're, you're going to hear a lot of those things. So um, I'll just hold there. Great, great perspective, Donnie. Um, Donnie's a pretty big thinker, and I, uh, I think you got to take everything that Donnie says and write it down and think it through. So thank you for that. Jeremy, how's the consumer demand figure in here? I think right now we have the perfect storm for consumer demand. I think what we've seen at our shop, taking a shop that did 143000 in revenue in 2016 for the year. It's not a monthly number. That was the year. Um, and to take a marketing budget of $500 a month and turn that into $80,000 a month consistently in sales proves that there's untraditional methods to get customers to come in <clears throat> with a repeat and referability. So that's one of the greatest things I learned about going back into the business is our old school thinking is not going to fix what we need to do today. And then tomorrow's thinking, we don't even know what it is yet. So we have to stay open to it. So uh, the demand is huge. And you know, going back to your point, in your your keynote, Carm, about you got to treat the vehicle as the client, you know, building these relationships with your clients. And as service advisors, sometimes we get so hung up on the sale. We're worried about making that four or five or $6,000 sales presentation. And we may not want to tell the customer everything because it could kill the car. You guys know what I'm talking about. So then we'll only quote 2000 to get the $2,000. Well, you're doing your client an injustice. If the car's dead, Help them find another vehicle. Help them invest their money, right, so they get a good return on investment. 
It's not about selling. It's about helping people. And the client demand for that type of service is huge because shops just don't focus on that. Today, we focus on the sale and it's not about the sale. It's about helping people. Is there any changes in how how you see the execution of our business going to change, Jeremy? Uh, how are we how are we going to run our business different in the future? Well, I think we're seeing you know hybrids of that model right now. I'm one of the other reasons I went back into the business was to really master the digital sales process. Now, understand I write service and I'm on my 182nd service advisor and. I think 400 days. So we have a lot of change over the front counter. That's a joke. (laughs) Just in case you guys didn't catch that, I have not hired 182 service advisors. We're on number 92. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I'm active. I still write. I contact my clients every day. I'm I'm really active in our workflow, uh, building estimates, selling jobs. Four out of every 10 cars goes digital where I don't talk to the client. The sales made digitally where they push a button and buy via text, email, or whatever. I can't handle the workflow that I have by making phone calls. So the digital sales process is here. I think I don't think we'll ever get to the point where it's completely automated, where customers come in, check themselves in. I still think we need that FaceTime. I want that FaceTime. But I think the digital sales process is here. A lot of our marketing... You know, I don't even talk to the client. They show up the next, you know, wherever they book their appointment, whether it's through Yelp. And I'm just going to take a survey. How many of you absolutely love Yelp? Like for your business, raise your hand. Like, gosh, I hope you realize that I get an 11,000 annualized percent of return on the money I spend with Yelp in my shop. Okay. So now we're in a market that it works. Okay. But what's interesting, and I use Yelp because you get, it's, it's very black and white. You love it or you hate it. And majority of shop owners absolutely hate it. So I spend $375 a month with Yelp. We will generate over $500,000 in revenue from that lead source this year. A half a million dollars of business from an emerging lead source that most of you hate. That's half of your volume. It is. It's over half for $375 a month. So is the demand there? Yes. Now, our area, we're in the high desert of Southern California. So everybody commutes like at least 100 miles a day. They go down the Cone Pass and back up. So we have a high demand, high mileage. And most of you that are on the suburbs, you know, everybody commutes too. I think Chicago probably is a little bit better public uh, transportation system than Los Angeles does. But what's interesting is we're the last affordable housing place in Southern California. You can still buy a three-bedroom house for $250,000 in our area, where most people that live close to LA or work down in Pasadena or those areas, you know, they're spending... $800,000 for the same home. So they'll take the three hour commute. So what that's done is given us a lot of transients. We have a lot of people that don't have a home shop. So just picture this. There are young shop owners that are going to come into your marketplace. They're going to harness these newer technologies. And like Donnie says, if your glass is draining and I come in with the new glass that's filling up and I'm progressive and I know how to dominate this market for today's consumer, Where's your business going to be in three years? It's, it's a challenge. So it's there. So my, my message is be open. When your brain says, no, that won't work at my shop, stop. Write that down. Because this limiting belief that you have could cost you millions of dollars in the next five years. It's that much money that's sitting out there. I would just like to add to that from sort of my lean point of view. 
there are so many toys out there that make the entire process and take that bottleneck that is the service advisor and give them speed and efficiency and communication tools and how do I get a customer on the phone? There are so many new tools out there and so few shops, I'm sure Sarah would love to talk about that, that actually implement. Um, I think it's such a big pervasive thing that I asked Jim Silverman to put on a whole presentation at our NASDAQ meeting. Sounds like a complete non-fit, right? But if the techs can't fix the cars and it's the advisors and we've got technology available, you can teach them all you want. But if they can't use the tools, what good is it? That's so true, Danny. I'm sure you've got something to say on that. We, uh, we're, we're, we're embra- we always say that we're embracing technology, but I think that's our public comment. It's, it, 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 when you look in the mirror, you say, oh, I'm really failing on that. That's hard stuff. Carm, <laughs> the questions I get on the NASDAQ phone call all week long are not us embracing technology. They are us pissing and moaning and dragging our feet to use the technologies that have been brought to the yeah, table for yeah. us. Uh, just to, to tie in on that, I was at a, I was at a big meeting, a, a panel discussion, and uh, very high end shops, and uh, there was a little bit of a break. You know how the power of networking, as I said, you know there was no agenda. So what were we talking about? Implementing DVI and the challenges of making that happen and bringing the people on board. It's such a powerful, important tool. I think there's a little bit of, of an issue at the at the technology provider. There's a little bit of an issue at the user that put up their hand and says, I'm ready to buy. And many of the guys in the room said, I'd be willing to pay some pretty big bucks for one entire week's worth of training, hands-on, schedule, timing. You know, it's, I'll shut the shop down if I have to in order to make, you know, a 40% improvement in ARO. Duh. I got it. So I can go out to my buddies and say, yeah, I'm doing DVI. And they're not, really. It's a great point. So I got so much to respond to all that. Let me see if I get it all in. So I'll start with the latest backing up to the most recent. So look at DVI. Like I, when it comes to technology and adopting technology, I'm the guy. I, I bought my first computer when I was 16 years old. That was a very, very, very long time ago. My hair keeps getting grayer to show my age. It was a Tandy 1000EX. Anybody remember those? <laughs> yes. Right. So that was my very first computer, which I still own and works as good as it did then now. You can turn it on and plug it in, and I've got a bunch of floppy disks that work for it. I am the early adopter when it comes to technology. So it, it still runs DOS. It's a, I got to remember what version. It's MS-DOS, something like that, right? But it has 64 bits of memory in it, just saying, right? Can't even write most of your names twice. So like, I am the early adopter. So when I say this, understand it comes from a point of the one, one of the people who wants to bring technology in. My shop was one of the most technology-driven shops. That being said, DVI is an amazing tool. But these numbers that you're hearing from, just to keep this in perspective, the shops that are actually seeing these large lifts in ARO from, from DVI is only for the fact that they are now at least presenting the work that's needed. Whereas before, the service advisors weren't even presenting all the work because what this did was it eliminated the technicians offering a list to the, to the service advisor and then the service advisor editing the list of which we have been like beating our brains, cert, you know, training service advisors to stop editing the list thinking that you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. So DVI has kind of eliminated at least the service advisor from 
taking the list down to what he thinks that the customer might buy because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or make it sound like, you know, I'm not going to tell them about that tire. I'm not going to tell them about that transmission fluid that's a little bit dirty because they're going to think of trying to fleece them. We never did that. If the car needs it, it needs it. If you can't prove that it needs it, then you shouldn't be telling the customer about it or you should at least be warning them that this is on the horizon. We're there to advise, not to edit. And the DVI experience, if I, tell me if I'm wrong, this is all about we're finally telling the customer everything the car needs and then letting the customer make a decision. Here's where I have an issue when it comes to DVI, and I might be one of the only ones who are still saying this. And I said it in a room full of 400 Pronto guys just uh, about two weeks ago, and they all stared at me like I had like horns growing out of my head. Shop owners are now looking at DVI as a replacement to the service advisor. Don't, don't even begin to convince me that that's not the case. The reason why DVI is as hot as it is right now is because, again, as an industry, we're looking at this as another shiny, penny, instant fix, silver bullet, yeah. and I can eliminate the service advisor from my front counter. Because when they first started talking about this, the conversation went to, we're going to start having kiosks so people could just check in. And then the whole process will be digital all from there. Funny, we just finished having a, a conversation. Carb just got finished telling you for a, a, a significant amount of time how much how important people are when it comes to our industry. How important it are when we working with people and building a culture inside our business. And here we are looking at, the solutions, which are great solutions, don't get me wrong. These are all things that we need to embrace. However, people are still the most important when it comes to the equation. And we still have to have, you know, Jeremy's saying that the struggles are real. Getting somebody at the counter, that's really good. Struggles are real. And you still have to invest in it because without the relationship, you got nothing. I got one more thing. Sorry, I've gone on the podium box for no, a moment. No, so when uh, it comes to when it comes to Yelp, Jeremy could not be more right about Yelp and digital opportunities. Just research your area really well. Yelp is not as popular in Chicago and these areas than it is in California. California is a crazy place. Don't ever go there other than to visit. And, and I'm from California, born and raised in Southern Orange County. I know what I'm talking about. And right. I, right. And I still have friends with there, there, and they wish that they live where I do now in North Carolina. But for digital resources like that, you do have to have your research. He's 100% right in California. Every shop that we work with, we recommend you should be using it because it does drive business. Not the same everywhere. So just do your research. No, I'll just chime in on that. So one of the things I do when we have a new concept is I'll go into the shop and actually test it out. I've been in shops all across North America that have had the kiosk. I haven't seen one customer go through the check-in process without going, hey, Doug, what do I do next? Mm -hmm. No, seriously. So the human element is there. The kiosk thing for me, I think it fell flat on its face because the customers, I don't think we're there yet where it's completely checking. Heck, if I need a kiosk, I should be further ahead. I'll pay Danny to create an app that they have all their information, scan your van, give me your mileage. You don't even need to bring the car and I'll send a driver to pick it up. And you don't even have to come to the shop if I want that. I'll go to that level to provide an experience that consumers want. You don't have to stand at my counter and use a kiosk. So test the stuff out real world and see what works and what doesn't work. It doesn't even work for McDonald's. Well, right. You, no. can't, you can't order a number two off right. the menu. Right. So how in the hell do you fix a car? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. The super funny thing about this is that we are so aware that our customers are literally oblivious to the needs of their vehicle or how to maintain it or what to do. And they really are relying us to be the professionals. And yet we're putting that power in their hands. Why? Why would we do that? We're the professional. And, and the thing is, we have built, we have bi literally built 
over years a better image for ourselves of being the professionals. And here we are turning our businesses into a McDonald's concept. And you know, we compete with the big chains that are the one and doneers, right? And we're not in that business. We're in the relationship business. We're in the long-term business. If any independent has an opinion that, that DVI is going to take the people's side of the business away, then uh, they're not gonna make it. I, I just don't believe they're in it for the long term unless they're gonna become a big you know, 20 person chain and they're gonna do three in one freeze in the 1995 oil change and they're just churning. They're just churning work, it's transactional There is a business model for that, there really is. It doesn't mean that you can't never do it, but that's what you turn into. But this is what we don't do, we're not in that. But I mean, the, the general repair shops 20 years ago I don't be mean about it, but we made fun of the, the quick oil change places, right? Yeah. And it's been fun in a fun kind of way, but we didn't want to be that business model. I don't want to turn cars at fifty and sixty dollars a a car. It took a lot of effort to get a car in and bring something in. I'm going to make sure I get an ARO out of it, or at least I'm going to make the customer aware of everything that car needs. Nobody rolls out the door with an unsafe car unless they're aware of it, right? Yeah, that's right. But by the way, I have to tell you, this is hot. Give this group a hand so far. We keep them going here, okay? Wow. The Apex 19 is in the record books and brought the best and brightest together to create an experience like no other. Now, I was so impressed with the impact Apex has in presenting emerging technology. They are on the cutting edge of the connected car, and you'll find everything you need to know on what you'll need to do to stay ahead of the curve. Regarding emerging technology... Apex will feature again in 2020 the latest trends that will have an impact on the service professional and equipment. Wow, see, feel, and touch the latest tools and equipment that will bring efficiencies to your business. And in 2020, there's going to be a separate section dedicated to the service professional shop. It'll be called Repair Shop Headquarters, and it's the place to be if you earn your living in the aftermarket. And for training, Apex will present some of the best aftermarket technician and management trainers in 2020. So mark your calendar right now. Put the date on it. Apex 2020, November 3rd through the 5th in Las Vegas. Listen right here to learn all about the exciting events and when you can start registering. I'm going to change topics right now on you. Sarah, I've interviewed Sarah a a bunch of times. You talked to us about moving beyond why we can't charge that much. The younger generations... Uh, are paying more for car repair, and and how do you know that? Um, There was actually an ally study that came out recently that said over the past five years, millennials and Gen Z, um, which there are a lot of us, there's about 150 million of us, have spent, I want to say it was roughly $2,300 in the past five years on car repair. 55 and older was $1,600. So we are paying more, we are spending more, and it didn't really go into why, but it got me thinking a lot about it. Why is it that the millennial is is spending more? And I think we've grown up with things being expensive. We're a little bit used to paying more money for things. Our smartwatches are expensive. Our phones are expensive. Our technology is expensive. Um, and you're bad drivers too? <laughs> that, that could definitely be part of it. I will own up to that. I mean, if I could get a car that would drive itself, I would be all about that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we... We will spend the money. And I do want to touch a little bit on the what we were talking about before with the technology. I will not call to make an appointment somewhere. So if you don't have something set up to where I can book an appointment online, I will probably never come to your business. I have not called for a hair appointment, a vet appointment, a car appointment. Like It needs to be something where I can just go online, not have to talk to anybody at the initial part. 
Because I do think that the person is still important and that face-to-face is important and that the, the kiosk, they really... Do you live in an app-based world? Yes. Ah. Yes. If See? you have an app that I can go on and set up an appointment, that's fantastic. And if that app reminds me when my oil changes do, even better. Because I don't want to think. That's not something I'm thinking about. So if your website isn't mobile-based, it feels and looks like an app where they could do a call to actions and set the appointments. I mean, here's the expert right here who would know that. And, and, and uh, when Danny, when you get a client, do you have to convince them how important mobile is? Or do you just do it for them? Not as much as we used to. It's getting better. Okay. But before, like three to five years ago, oh, yeah, you know, explaining how much how mobile was a huge part of the experience and yeah. making sure that just like she's saying that you can do all those things online and make an appointment. Yeah. No, most shop owners would push against it. Uh, not that many years ago. Now it's a little bit better. I have a question. So w- one of the things I've seen on the websites is when she'll go on and book an appointment, it doesn't actually confirm her appointment. It'll say, please give us your choices at times and then we'll call you back to confirm. That's not what you want. Is it? No, I, so I actually just did that like a couple of weeks ago, booked an appointment that way, sent it through, got an email, said, okay, we've confirmed, we have your three dates, we'll get in touch with you. Two days went past before I heard anything. And so at this point I'm like, well, now I've got to find a new place. They're not even going to respond to me. They finally did send me an email and said, okay, we've confirmed this date. If that doesn't work for you, call us back. But I think it took two and a half days before I ever heard back from them. Yeah, that's never that's never going to work. Right. The, the shop's still got to respond very, very quickly. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. One of our good new customers came to us from Yelp, and she booked an oil change for 4 p.m. yesterday, which, what was yesterday? Friday? 4 p.m. waiting oil change is like the best job on the planet, right? Service advisors, you guys love it, right? Now, I wasn't at the shop, so I'm like, yeah, no big deal, right? My guys will handle it. So many of us are like, why did you book this appointment at 4 p.m.? Like, I didn't book it. The customer did. So like, are you in or out? Like, that's how we roll. If we have an opening and our, one of the things I do is I just select the times that we're going to accept no matter what comes through. And then the team just has to execute behind it. So yes, you're going to have those things that come up that are inconvenient, but guess what? It's a new way of doing things. So the question came from the floor. What exactly is the age group? Um, so we're talking about millennials and Generation Z. I'm a millennial. I'm 34. I'm a bit to the older side of the millennials. Generation Z is anywhere from about 14, actually younger than that, like 12 to 20-ish right now. So, And I think that's become a big misconception, too, is we're seeing these 17, 18-year-old customers, and we're going, oh, millennials. No, they're not millennials. They're Generation Z, and they think a lot differently than I do as a millennial, and they're going to shop differently, and they're going to make their purchases differently. Um, they're a very educated generation. We talked about YouTube. They're going to look on YouTube before they come to the shop. If they have a problem with their car, they're going to already know a lot about it before they come in to see you. But like the millennial, they are expecting that technology, the ability, the availability to make an appointment without having to pick up the phone and all of those things. But yeah, I think we, it is important that we start to realize that they are this younger generation that we've kind of looked at as kids and teenagers is becoming our customer now. I'll, I'll add to what she's saying to prove the point about customer, customer uh, engagement. Uh, Yelp is a perfect example in how you're bringing people in and also the appointments, all wonderful examples and 100% true, by the way. But I'll prove my point where we're not away from the customer service element and use Yelp as an example. Go ahead and take a look at Yelp and look at what the reviews are on their, on a shop, much less look at a restaurant. They'll be happy that you made an online appointment. There's no question. But the main thing that they'll be first to complain about is 
customer service. So the, to my point is that the customer element has never been eliminated from our business, and we need to be extremely careful that we don't go down that road because that's the first thing that they'll point out that was a problem once they got there. How they get there, you're 100% right. They don't, want to, they don't want to talk to anybody getting there. They just want to arrive. But once they're there, they expect a lot. But before I even go online to book that appointment with you, I'm going to look at your reviews. Absolutely. And I'm going Absolutely. to read them all, and yeah. I'm going to see if you've responded to them, if you've had bad reviews. <laughs> I will look at all of that before I ever choose to make a decision to do business with somebody. And that's Gen Z is even more into that than millennials are in that sense. And your bad customer experience started because they never even got back to you. Right. Yeah. So maybe I'll speak as a consumer side of it, which is there's a, there's a form factor and there's a substance factor to this, right? As the consumer, I don't want to spend my time with administrative tasks. I don't want to spend my time finding your phone number online, calling, waiting for somebody to answer that phone, going through my problem in detail to make my appointment. And then once I get there, going through it all again. And I think that's the maybe the problem with my generation and younger. We are used to things like the Google, which by the way, when I talk about risk management, like I'll talk about the problems that I have with Google as, you know, I'm in your shoes and you're my customer, right? So the problems that I have with the, with the Google is that you guys Google things and then you say, well, here's the handbook that I have, this must be correct, right? So to Sarah's point, you know, I want to make an appointment, have it confirmed with my app, done. The administration, administrative portion done. Now I want the human element. I want somebody who's my therapist for my car, right? I want to go in and say, look, I have this weird sound and it sounds like bum, 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 right? I know that's not normal. My car doesn't usually go like that. How does it sound? Mm. <laughs> that counts as singing and cannot be used. <laughs> I'm tone deaf, by the way. You did, you did ask if I had texted in for an appointment, if that's how I want you to respond to me. Absolutely. I think it's really important if your messages come in on Facebook Messenger, on email, that you respond in the way it came to you. Otherwise, you're not respecting the method that your customer wants to communicate with you. So if I Facebook message you and you call me, I'm like, I would have just called you in the first place if I wanted to talk on the phone. So I do think that's important. Um, if you do need to call me, now my car's already at the shop and something's going on and you need to call, that's a little bit different, but maybe text me and say, hey, is this a good time I could call you so we can discuss what's going on? So the other piece of this that is kind of hanging out there is that when you accept an appointment over, over the internet with no understanding of what's coming at you, when you're a freak about scheduling like I am and using every possible technician minute, you have then got this conundrum of, I wonder how long that's actually going to take because they don't want to tell me what's wrong with the car because they're in a hurry. And I get that. And half the time they can't even tell me what their car is. So I'm not even sure if I'm going to be able to work on it because I don't work on certain brands. And so how do I handle that? And we've had some really interesting situations with that. So our approach to this, rather than just stating a problem, our approach to this has been, what's our average RO? I can't tell you how many times I hammer our service advisors and my dear dad about this. If your average repair order is 4.4 hours, don't write a damn one hour estimate on our schedule because it isn't true. I'd rather you be the other way than be able to not take care of a customer. So you're saying that if a online ticket comes in, 
you book it for four hours. Yeah, unless it just says, all I need is an oil change. And if not, you're ahead if it only, yeah. And you know what happens. All I need is an oil change. And oh, by the way, while it's here, can you overhaul the engine? You know, we we talk a lot about the doctoring business as we compare our industry. I'm not sure it's fair or not. But did you ever make a doctor's appointment? Did they ever not ask you what's wrong? Why do you need to come in? And uh, and even and I don't think they'll ever go to that app thing because they want to know they have to schedule their doctors they they've got a plan on stuff and, and or who is it that you should see the PA or the real doctor right so I, I think I think there's value in maybe Danny taking the next step in online scheduling and I and I think a lot of places do there's a drop down box and says hey t- tell me why you need to come in right and so Sarah when you do that are you truthful and honest why you need to go in. Yeah, yeah, I like the ones that have like a drop down and it says select your make of your vehicle and then it gives you a spot to put in. Well, some of them have preset things so you can pick, I need an oil change. You know, my brakes need to be looked at or whatever those things are. And then there's a box if there's something additional that you need to explain. So I do like that versus just making an appointment without giving any information. But that would be way too convenient. And the shop owners don't want to be inconvenienced by you picking your own time. They want to slot you in on the time that's convenient for them. I'm obviously poking fun just a little bit, but that is the that is the industry at the moment. Believe me, I work with enough shop owners that they do not want to accept appointments from people just randomly picking times. They want to control all their schedule, which I, I'm not saying is a good idea or a bad idea. I'm saying what the industry says and what you're saying is is a conflict that they've got to find a resolve for. And it needs to get down to basically what what Jeremy and Donnie are basically doing, which you're going to have to open up a slot and see a pick from these. You, you, just, you have to. If that convenience isn't offered to me, I'm going to take my business elsewhere. There's a question. Okay, the question is, what kind of response is Sarah looking for from that online appointment and what happens on the weekend? If I do it on the weekend, no, I don't expect anybody to respond to me on the weekend. I would expect to hear something by Monday afternoon. Um, if I make it, if I put that in in the morning, I would expect to hear something by the end of the day. Now, if I put it in towards the end of the day or the evening, I would expect to hear something the next day. We have an autoresponder that will respond to the client that says we've received your appointment request. If you've made this appointment on a Friday night or Saturday, we'll get back to you on the next open business day. So there, all these things are in place to at least let the customer know. We, we've heard you, but we're not going to get back to you right away. So it's not, it's not no response. Yes, Danny, thank you for doing autoresponders. Autoresponders are awesome. You want to automate your business as much as you can. To get more information on this, go to Freedom Auto Repair Yelp. So go into Yelp and research Freedom Auto Repair Hispera, California. What I discovered was a competitive edge that I had. No other repair shop in 20 miles around us would respond in under three days. Now, if you, and the get a quote button is absolutely free. So, and I'm not promoting Yelp, but just. <laughs> What I discovered was the faster I responded, the more leads I got. And I had my response time down to one minute before where I'd respond to every lead in a minute. But then my wife's like, who are you texting at 2 a.m.? I'm like, well, it's a customer. She's like, let me see your phone. I'm like, all right, I'll stop. (laughs) I can't do autoresponders on Yelp. We're still within 10 to 20 minutes. So what I found is it's not just Yelp. It's a new emerging client gathering database is what it is. It's all these big companies see the revenue that goes through auto repair, and they're going to try to get revenue from it, whether it's from advertising or rev share. If you had a new market that could deliver six cars a day, and my ARO with Yelp has never been lower than $700. 
just so you guys get the type of clients that we're, we're bringing in from this. So the response time is key. So what I found with that client is they want a response immediately. Now, sometimes the response was, hey, I'm working on your quote. I can't get back to you till Monday, but I did ping them. So an autoresponder is fabulous because you satisfied the, okay, I'm engaged in a conversation and then you can get back. So response time is absolutely key. I think the faster you get back, the more you're going to get. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.